0: of uh, my parents. They were out at Lancaster. Um, of course, the Hawks are still there at Lancaster, but when my mom and dad were there, and Brother Hauk is uh, uh, working there at the college, he teaches uh, Bible classes and things like that, and um, I was we were talking a little bit before. He said the last time they were here, um, I guess uh, I was when I had shingles, and uh, so I didn't get to be a part of any of the services while they were here, and uh, so I guess it was that Like on a Sunday morning or something, when I realized what I had or whatever, uh, I called my dad and said, hey, I need you to preach. And Brother Houck happened to be here, and he taught the Sunday school, I think, at that time. And so uh, that was a couple years ago, but glad to have them back. And I asked if Brother Houck would teach Sunday school again this morning. Uh, So Brother Houck, why don't you come and uh, just appreciate uh, his faithfulness and uh, uh, just how God has used him there at the college. Uh, And so appreciate you being here with us today. Amen. Thank you, There we go. Can you hear me? Okay. If you have your Bibles. Let's go to 3 John. 3rd John. That comes after 2nd John. In case you didn't know. So um, and uh it's glad to be here. And I'll tell you what, um I was born and raised in Ohio, so I'm a buckeye by by birth. And uh but we were up in the up in the uh, diagonal from here, we were up in uh, the Cleveland area, where I grew up, east of Cleveland actually, but um, but it's good to be back in your home state, and I actually could wear my Ohio State t-shirt yesterday without getting any comments, so that was good, and uh, but anyways, I want to look at uh, one verse, and we're going to look at uh, several verses this morning. in this study, and um, basically, um, I want to I look at verse 4, where it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And I want to talk about walking in truth. And, uh, you know, um, the world today is a mess, and one of the reasons is is because they have forsaken the truth. They think they have the truth. And they're, you know, they're trying to sponsor truth that's supposed to be you know, so great and so forth. Really what they've done is they've turned from the truth. And even Christians, it's amazing how many of them have given in to the moral destruction of our nation... And condoning things that the Bible's very clear on. You know, condoning the, you know, the the homosexual thing and condoning transgenderism and all this stuff. My Bible still says that God made male and female. That's what my Bible says. Now, they may have some newfangled Bible that isn't the Bible and it's telling them something else. But but it, it is important that we walk in truth. And, of course out in california folks um i know that's the land of the fruit and the nuts and we got both kinds and but let me just tell you that you need to pray for us that are in california i mean we're in the we're on the front line so to speak with dealing with this stuff and uh uh, it's constant and of course we we have a governor that you need to pray for his salvation more than anything and um but uh our governor is the nephew of Nancy Pelosi, so that will give you an idea of what we're dealing with. So, but um, And if you're a Democrat in here, I'm sorry, but uh, I just believe what the Bible says, and they're not definitely going with the Bible. So, Now, let's have a word of prayer. We'll look at this. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to open up your word, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study the word. And Lord, we ask that you would help us understanding the importance of truth. For without truth, we don't have salvation. Without truth, we don't understand you. You're the one who's given us this truth. And I pray we will use it and apply it. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said a moment ago, Um, Christians need truth as much as the world needs truth. In fact, if we don't know the truth, how's the world going to know the truth? That's something that's very, very important for us to realize. And um, there's um, two types of truth. There's what's called subjective truth, and then there's absolute truth. Now, the world deals with subjective truth. That is, it's It's um, or relative truth. That's another term, maybe relative truth, relative truth or subjective truth is basically what you think truth is. Um, There's no standard of truth. And that's part of the problem is um, it can be whatever you want it to be. If, 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 for instance, you know, people with brown eyes, um, they always like to eat steak, and you believe that, and the next day you can change and say, well, people with blue eyes who like steak. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you can never put your finger on what is truth. And, of course, that's what has destroyed societies, is when you, you don't know what truth is. If you remember when Pilate was questioning the Lord Jesus... And he, he looked Jesus in the eye there, and he says, what is truth? And he didn't realize it, but he was looking at truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that kind of truth is what we call absolute truth. Absolute truth never changes. It never fluctuates. It's always the same. And that's why you can put your trust in it. And so when we look at at truth, I want us to see three truths about truth (laughs) this morning. Three truths about truth. First of all, let's talk about the source of truth. Where do we find truth? Well, Romans 3, 4 says this. Let God be true and every man a liar. So if you want to see actual truth absolute truth it's God himself God is truth see first of all God is holy and God therefore because God is holy he's without any type of sin or variation he's therefore also righteous and if he's righteous then that means he has to be absolutely true all truth has to fall with righteousness. So God Himself is truth. Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, as we mentioned a moment ago. The truth. So if you want real truth, then you need to know the God of truth. And you say, Well, how do we how do we get that? I mean, he doesn't come down and speak to people like he did in the Old Testament and so forth. Well, the source of that truth, of God's truth, is in God's word. God's word. Now, Jesus said in John seventeen, seventeen, sanctify them. This is his this is the Lord's prayer, by the way. A lot of people call the disciples' prayer the Lord's prayer, our Father which art in heaven. That's the disciples' prayer. That was the model prayer Jesus gave to his disciples. The Lord's prayer is in John seventeen. And in that prayer, he's praying, first he prayed for himself that he might be glorified and restored to that position that he left to come to earth. Now he didn't lose all that, he veiled that glory, but he came to fulfill the work of the cross. And then he prayed for his disciples. And then by the way, he prayed for us. So he prayed for all of us. And and one of the points he came to is John 17, 17, where he says, sanctify them with thy truth. Now, the word sanctify means to set apart, okay? Uh, it's where we get the word sanctification, same word that you get the word holy from, to be set apart. And so here he says, sanctify them with thy truth. Set them apart with truth. And then he says this, He says, thy word is truth. So where do we find God's truth? We find it right here, folks. God didn't make it a mystery. He didn't make it complicated. He just put it flat out in words that we can read and understand. Amen? And that's a blessing. So his truth is in God's word. Now, whenever somebody holds to the truths of God's word, they're going to be on a steady path. They're going to be on the right path. It's when you veer from the truth that that's where we get in trouble. And, um, and so when we look at truth, we need to realize that, okay, I like to illustrate it this way. If, if this pulpit represents God's truth, okay, Every day, you and I, we go out and we're bombarded with all kinds of opinions, all kinds of things we may hear on the radio or see in the news and and uh, and so forth. And sometimes, you know, you sit there and you think, well, is that really true? Or is that, how does that fit? And so forth. So if we're not careful, we can we can hold to God's truth, but then... Sometimes a, uh, a young person will go off to college, and he'll start hearing things and so forth that isn't true. And so where he was before set in truth, now he begins to just get a little bit off. And if we're not careful, folks, we can all get a, just a little bit off from the truth. And that's what the devil likes, is when we can just get a little bit off. You get a whole lot of truth with just a little bit of a lie. I mean, that's what he told Eve, if you remember. The only lie he told Eve in the garden was, thou shalt not surely die. Now, Eve had it all messed up because she misquoted what God told Adam. And I don't know if Adam told her right or she just decided to add her own commentary or whatever, but, but because she was a little bit off on the truth, Satan ended up getting her way out here, away from the truth. And, um, and by the way, he said, you know, you shall not surely die, for the Lord doth know in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall be as the gods, knowing good and evil. Now what, what he didn't tell her, the gods he was referring to were the fallen angels, And they were going to spend an eternity in a lake of fire. He didn't tell her that. He didn't tell her that knowing good and evil meant that now you were going to have that constant influence of evil and temptation and evil. He didn't tell her a lot of things. That was, he told her a lot of half-truths is what he did. Which a half-truth is a lie. but, But here's the thing if she remembered what God said then she can get straightened out in the truth now that's why every day if we want to be right and know the truth we got to be in God's word daily why because daily you're going to get bombarded with things and you're you're going to have to discern is that really true according to the word of God and um Politically right now, there's all kinds of issues that are coming up. Moral issues and so forth and political issues. And there's all kinds of things being taught in public schools and colleges and so forth. And even in Christian colleges. And you have to be careful to discern by the truth. And the only way I can figure it all out is figure it all out through this book. Now, that brings us to the second Aspect of truth. We have the we know the source of truth. Secondly, the strength of truth. What's the strength of truth? Well, take your Bibles and go to uh, John chapter eight. John chapter eight. And Jesus here is having a pretty heated discussion with the religious leaders, and the, of course, the people are listening in, and and. Um, and many of the uh, Jews that that believed on him, and, and look at verse thirty, it says, "As he spake these words, many believed on him." Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So, what he's going to say next? Who is he saying it to, folks? To the believers, right? He's not saying this to unbelievers. You know, a lot of people sometimes they'll quote the verse and they're they're using it in the context of unbelievers, but Jesus didn't say this to unbelievers. He's saying it to those who believed on him. Now look at verse 31. Then Jesus said to those which believed on him, if ye continue in my, what folks? Word. Word. So again, how how are we going to know the truth? By continuing in his word, okay? So he says, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. So we're his disciples, and one of the ways you can tell a true disciple is they're continually in the word. But now look at verse 32, because this is the part I want us to see. They, they, and, and then he says this, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you what class free, free. now free, you know, and, and I've read, I read that verse many times through the years. And one day it dawned to me as I read the, in the context, it reminded me that, Hey, he's talking to believers. So who's our adversary folks? Satan. And what does Satan want to do? Well, he's a liar. Jesus, In fact, in this passage, he says, you're of your father, the devil, who was a liar from the beginning and a murderer from the beginning. And, and so we know that he's a deceiver. We know that he's going to try to trick us. He's going to try to deceive us. He's going to try to trap us in his lies, even in his counterfeiting. Satan's a counterfeiter. He makes things look really good, but there's always one little thing that's not right. And if you don't know the truth, then you can be pulled away by false teaching. And and so, and by the way, that this is vital for your growth as a Christian. If you haven't been saved very long, you need to realize that if you want to grow in God's grace, you got to know God's truth. Because even even there's principles of spiritual growth that if you misunderstand those principles, then you'll be you'll be putting your trust in something that really the scriptures is not teaching. So it's important that we learn and we know the truth. And of course, Jesus said, what did he say? If you want to be my disciple, then you need to continue in truth. Now, <clears throat> the, um, <laughs> it was funny because I remember one time I was having a discussion with a person and um, I don't even remember the context I, I think it was, I, maybe it was when I was in high school, I don't know, or, or wherever, but I remember we were having this discussion, and, uh, and I, I, I quoted a verse, or I gave him some scripture, and the, and the guy says, you always got to bring the Bible into this. Well, that's where truth is. It's in God's word. And, and so we need to realize that. Now, so the strength of truth, number one, or A, it brings freedom. It brings freedom, freedom from the bondage of deceit. Now, if you go to Ephesians chapter, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter six for a minute. Ephesians chapter six. And um, one of the things that Ephesians six reveals to us is what we call the Christian armor, the Christian armor. And you've probably read this before. Verse 10, Paul says to the Ephesian church, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then he says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that word wiles means deceit or a snare or a trap. And he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he says, look, the the battlefield for us, the Christian, is not physical. It's not on a physical level, it's on a spiritual level. The devil's attacking our minds with, he'll try to put thoughts into our minds. Now the devil can't make us sin he can't force me to sin i choose to sin i may give in to the temptations i may give in to the thoughts that he put in my mind that may lead me to sin but he can't make me sin okay you know years ago there was a program called flip wilson i don't know if you remember some of you might remember you know he always said well the devil made me do it no the devil can't make you do it you make the choice So what Paul is warning about is, look, your your warfare is spiritual, and it's in the mind. Now, look what he says in verse 14. He says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with what? Truth. So the very first piece of armor that Paul says you put on as a Christian is the belt of truth. Everything hangs on that. A Roman soldier, when he wore that belt, it, he had his sword hooked to that, had a place where he could actually hook his shield. He had the breastplate on top of that, and and so forth. And so, truth is the foundation in spiritual warfare. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And Paul. Um, talks about this warfare even in a more detailed fashion as far as how it's dealt with mentally. Verse 3 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So our warfare is not in the flesh, okay? And you know, sometimes we may get mad at people because there may be giving us a hard time or whatever just remember the devil's probably behind that working don't get mad at the people don't get mad at the false teachers and get mad at the false doctrines get mad at the devil he's the one that's bringing that out but notice he says here for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in other words they're not We don't go around carrying M-16s and bazookas and driving tanks and all that. That's not how we fight that that warfare. But he says, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now what Satan likes to do is he wants to get a stronghold in our life. And that can come through deception. A lot of times, you know, when Satan tempts you with something, a lot of times he will, he will try to get us to reason and to try to justify why it's okay for me to commit this sin. And, and that's what we have to understand here is that he wants to pull down those strongholds. Now, we all have certain areas that we're weak in, and the devil knows it, and he'll go after those areas. And, and that's why he's, God's telling us here, God through, is mighty, through God, he can pull down those strongholds. He can, he can get us away from that. Verse 5, it says, now look at what it says, casting down imaginations <coughs> and every high thing that what? Exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, how do, we, how do we battle against false teaching? Remember, the truth sets us free. Well, how does the truth set us free? When Satan puts a false thought in our mind or, or a suggestion, we can immediately deter it by bringing our, all of our imaginations into captivity to the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, compare it to Christ. Now in Ephesians chapter five and verse eight, it talks about us being walking in light. And uh, in fact, let's turn over there for a minute. Walking in light, and the light, of course, representing truth. But notice what he says here in chapter five. If I can find Ephesians, okay. Look at verse verse eight. It says. For ye were sometimes darkness. That means you were the truth was hidden from us. We didn't know the truth. We, 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 were, we were deceived in darkness. And he says here, he says, But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walking as children of light is the same thing as walking in truth. For instance, um, we heard about, you know, this wonderful building that God's given you and how that's all worked out. And, and uh, I was talking to your pastor this morning before Sunday school. And, and uh, I said, so, so this, this is the auditorium. Well, you know, he, he wanted to show me. Now, when I walked in, there, it was dark, couldn't see anything. Or he couldn't see a lot. I saw a few things. But when he turned the light on, all of a sudden it exposed the whole room. Now, that's what truth does. Satan tries to blind us. Satan tries to keep us from the truth. But when we open up God's word and it gets into our heart, God opens up the truth, which turns on the lights. Now, notice verse 9. And notice the parentheses here. It's kind of like, okay, walk as children right. Then he says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, If you're going to walk in truth and you're going to walk in the light, then you've got to walk in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is is given to us to guide us by God's truth, the written word, to do what's right. And notice it says three things the Holy Spirit's going to do. He says he's going to show you what is good, what is righteous, and what is truth. So understand this, the Holy Spirit will never direct you away from the Word of God because He'll never direct you away from the truth. Now, Lord willing, this, this fall we'll celebrate 45 years in the ministry. And so we've, I've seen a lot of things. But I, I remember, especially when we were in youth work and so forth, and um, there would be a young lady or a young man, and, and they, they got sweet on a, on a girl, a guy, a guy got sweet on a girl, or a girl got sweet on a guy, but the guy wasn't saved. And and, he's, and, and I, I remember several times where a young lady would say, but I just believe that God brought us together so he'll get saved. Well, that sounds good. She says, I prayed about it, and I just believe this is God's working. Well, I don't know which spirit she was listening to, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit says, be ye not unequally yoked with non-believers. Well, a marriage, if that's what that relationship led to, marriage is a yoke. Okay? Not a bad yoke. It's a good yoke. Okay? But, But the whole point is... When we look at truth, and we look at a situation like that, that's where you've got to know the truth. Because a young lady, if she understands and believes what the Bible says, then she's not going to date an unsaved man. Or a young man's not going to date an unsaved girl. And, um, and that, that can be a challenge. And, and by the way, Satan will bring them by to get you di- redirected and away from the truth. And uh, I think there's been many a, many a man and many a woman who was headed to serve the Lord, maybe even in full-time service, and then they got distracted by an unsaved person and got pulled away. It's happened. Um, going into partnership with an unsaved partner. You know, you got two, two guys and they're going to do a business. One's saved, one isn't. That's not going to work. So, so what, what he's telling us here is you, you and I need to judge everything we do by three principles. Is it good? Is this something that's good? Is it right? Is it righteous? And is it truth? Now, that can eliminate a few things in our lives, and, um, and that's important to keep in mind. Now, so it brings freedom. Truth brings freedom from the attacks of Satan. And notice there in, in, uh, when we were in Second Corinthians, it says, bring every thought and imagination that exalteth itself above God, bring it into captivity to Christ. You say, how do you do that? Just ask this simple question. Could I do this or think this or act upon this in the presence of Christ? And that pretty much will answer the question. And by the way, he's present with us always through the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that's him saying, hey, if you're uncomfortable with that, don't do it. I'm not comfortable with it. So so we see that. Secondly, we see... It brings faith. It brings faith. Go over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And um, notice what it says here. Verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith now what is our faith built on it's built on truth so if you have the truth then your faith will grow you you claim a promise of truth that god's given us and you claim that and you act upon that guess what it's going to be fulfilled um and so faith develops that titus chapter one titus chapter one told you we're going to have a little few verses to look at this morning. Titus chapter 1 starting with verse 1 it says Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie. Amen promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now, God says he has made promises. One of those promises is, before the foundation of the world, that when you got saved, it was predetermined that you would never lose that salvation. In other words, God says, once you're saved, you're saved forever. You know, that gives you comfort and security so that now you can grow in your faith. Could you imagine if you were taught, and there's a lot of churches that teach, you can get it and lose it, get it and lose it. Well, if you're always worried about getting it and losing it, you're not going to grow because you're too concerned. Did I lose my salvation today? In other words, do I have to start over again? And um, and so, truth helps us, and it brings faith because our faith is in the truth of God's word, which never changes. Malachi three six, he says, "I am the Lord; I change not." Why does God never change? Because God is truth, and truth never changes. So his truth will never change. It won't vary. So when he makes a promise of salvation, that's a promise. (coughs) Now, (laughs) um, John 3.16, for God what? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? everlasting life how long is everlasting forever right so if you can lose your salvation then god lied to us in john 316 plus hundreds of other verses too but that's a very obvious one now that's that's the importance of knowing truth because truth is built, builds our faith now the last the last aspect of truth is the stability of truth. The stability of truth. Let's go back to Second John. So we're looking at all the all of John's writings this morning. Second John chapter well, it's only chapter one. So Second John, look at verse well, let's start with verse one. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only But also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us for how long, folks? Forever. So the first thing we see here is truth brings stability because truth is eternal. It's eternal. In other words, it's forever. Why? Because... Truth never changes. So if it's true today, it's going to be true 100 million years from now. Um, second of all, that means not only is truth eternal, truth is constant. Okay? Um, truth, if you, if you went, walked away from some truth and you come back to it <clears throat> a year later, guess what? That truth is still there because it's constant doesn't change, doesn't vary. That's why you can put your confidence in God's word because it's truth. And then finally, truth is enduring. When you know the truth and you have the truth, it will give you the ability to endure whatever comes. That's why we go through trials. God gives us trials many times, to test our faith. That's what it says in James chapter 1. And what is he, What is being tested? It's being tested our faith in God's truth. Okay? Um, it says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And when patience hath come to its completion, it bringeth forth Maturity, it bringeth forth perfection, maturity. And then he says this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Look, you're going through a trial, you don't know how to get through it. Ask God. God will give you the wisdom and give you the truth from his word. Now he may not always tell us why we're going through the trial. But he will he promised to bring us through the trial. And, um, and so, <clears throat> but that's how we test, and that's, like, for instance, you, you ever read about the martyrs, Fox's Book of Martyrs, or some of our Baptist uh, forefathers that, that, you know, were tortured for their faith, and they didn't give in? What gave them that strength? Well, obviously, God's grace, God's grace, because when I think about what some of them went through, I thought, man, I, I could never go through that. Well, God hasn't given me the grace to go through it because I'm not in it. But secondly, because they were confident that what they put their faith in was the truth. If you've if you got doubts about the truth and you're put into a position where you have to make a choice, guess what? <laughs> You're going to give in, maybe. I heard a story once. It was in a communist country, I forget which one it was. It was, I think, it was over in Asia somewhere. Yeah. And these these uh, soldiers came into a church where they were worshiping the Lord, and and they they drew a cross on the ground and they said, um, "In order for you to live, you must come up here and spit on the cross," and and then you can go free. In other words, you've got to deny your faith. And the first few did. They came up, and they spit on the cross, and they left. And then this one young person came up, and she looked at the cross, said a silent prayer, walked around it, and went out, and she was shot. Now, what was the difference? Apparently, she believed the truth, and it sustained her in that enduring hour. And don't think that that will ever happen in America because it could. And it's already happening in different places. Not in that degree, but I mean the woke crowd, they want to burn all our Bibles. They want to they destroy our Christian foundation in America. They want to destroy our Christian faith. Well, I got news for them. They can burn our buildings But they can't change our heart because the truth is in the heart, not in the building. Amen? So let me encourage you. Stay in the truth and walk in the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the truth, the absolute truth that never changes. And we pray that you would bless the preaching to follow. And Lord, I pray that we will walk in truth this week. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name, amen.